following podcast contains spoilers and some really fucking bad words. We watch it. Hello everybody and welcome back to We Watched A Thing with Billy and Dave. It's wonderful to be here with you in this brand new year. Thank you for sticking with us so far. How are you doing, Dave? I'm good. Happy New Year, mate. Yes, it's wonderful. It's wonderful to be back. Uh, did you did you do some drinking on New Year's? Does <laughs> <laughs> the Pope shit in the woods. Did you, did um, you accidentally yes. get drunk and order $350 worth of beer? <laughs> <laughs> You're not meant to tell the public that. It's, um, I, I may have done. I may have done. I may have got lost watching videos about what is the best beer in the world, and 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 yeah, then then drunkenly gone searching and ordered a bunch of the shit. But on the upside, in a, in a couple of days, I'll have the best beer in the world. Yeah, yeah. nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but we're not here to talk about beer this week, mate. Uh, this week we're we're talking about a movie. Um, a movie which yeah. I, you have been messaging some very strange things over the last couple of days, alluding in my mind that maybe it's a movie you didn't like much. Uh, to me, it's a movie that I don't think we need to talk about much because I think I'll be talking about it a shitload next week or the week after when we do our top films of 2024. So oh, really? let's get into Poor Things, which is a 2023 science fantasy black comedy film directed by Yogos Lanthimos and written by Tony McNamara. Uh, it's based on the 1992 novel of the same name by Alistair Gray, and it stars, of course, Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, Willem Dafoe, Rami Youssef, Christopher Abbott, and Jared Carmichael, along with Catherine Hunter, Hannah Shugala, Margaret Qualey, and Vicky Pepperdine in supporting roles. And what is it about, mate? Uh, it is, according to IMDb, the incredible tale of the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, a young woman brought back to life by the brilliant and unorthodox scientist, Dr. Godwin Baxter, uh, who then, I guess, goes on a John Hughes coming-of-age journey, <laughs> um, uh, meeting different people along the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you kind of, we're at the point now where, for the most part, I think people know what to expect when they go into a Yorgos Lanthimos film. I feel like he maybe might have tricked the public a little with The Favourite, which is his favorite, most yeah. kind of... By the if that's the only film, film of his you know, yeah, this film will come completely out of left field and just slap you upside your yeah. head. And I think definitely this film is divisive. I think you're going to fall into one of two crowds. You're either going to love this film or hate it. I, I don't see a world where anyone is going to be like, yeah, that film was fine because it's what it's mm. doing, it's doing very big. And in some ways- oh, it's, it's, it's a big swing. In some ways, it's his weirdest film. In some ways, I feel like it's his least weird film as well. Like, I feel like from a narrative structure perspective, it is it is quite a clear kind of hero's journey. It is about her growth. Um, so well, I'm- I think his, leaving the favourite aside, his previous films largely have all been original properties, haven't they? Yes. With, uh, yeah, I, lobster, I'm not sure, but I think deer, Lobster, yeah. they're not based on novels or whatever. Um, whereas this was so yes. narrative structure wise, it, it, it's obviously some work has gone into the screenplay, but it's yeah. not his nar- core narrative that's yes. come from elsewhere. Yeah. Where he's coming, obviously, is in what he's done with that. Yeah. 
So I knew nothing about this film going into it other than Yorgos Lanthimos and Emma Stone. I knew nothing about the plot. I knew nothing about the setting. Uh, I saw this with Topher. We we went and did a little uh, little date to the cinemas, the two of us. Oh, a little um, mandate. And, and I was super excited for this film, but knew nothing about it. And as kind of alluded to earlier, I absolutely loved it. I This is definitely going to be quite high in my top films of the year list. But I, I think I... I completely understand anyone who doesn't love it. So hit me with it, Dave. I'm very curious to know if you've been teasing or if it's real. Did you like this film? Did you not like this film? Tell me your experience with it. Um, I mean, generally speaking, I am a Yorgos Lanthimos fan. I, I like The Favourite a lot. I, I liked um, Killing a Sacred Deer. I like The Lobster. Um, I like Dogtooth. Uh, I, I've got a few gaps in his filmography to fill with his, some of his earlier stuff. But generally speaking, I kind of like his He's kind of a, he tells fairy tales. Oh yeah, because this, yeah. His, his films are his films are not set in our world. That's right. This film reminded me um, a lot of The Shape of Water in terms of the way that it plays with the st- structure of a fairy tale. Um, but you also know that I'm not a huge fan of whimsy for whimsy's sake and just being <laughs> kind of kooky and weird just because you can. Hello, Wes Anderson. Um, but I think we're. Where I don't really like Wes Anderson's shtick because I feel like he does that at almost at the expense of everything else. It's like yeah. if you asked him to make, um, you know, a documentary, he'd still manage to throw fucking whimsy slapped all over it. Yeah. yeah. Um, because that's just kind of, he, he just seems unable to do anything else. Um, but I, th- I think this is an example of how to do that right. Okay. So you did like this movie. This might be my favourite film of the last five years. Oh, okay, this cool. This film's fucking incredible. Yeah, it's I, brilliant. It's, I, I can't fault it. I loved everything about it, um, everything about it. Yeah. It's, it's Emma Stone's best role. It's Yorgos' best film. Um, yeah, it's yeah. just it's, it's amazing. Oh, awesome. We're on the same page then. I, I think this is Yorgos' best film and I'm a, I'm a big fan of his work as well. I think it's, that- up with, it's up with the best of Terry Gilliam in that sort of – quirky adult fairy tale watching this movie made me think you know you know who needs to see this is cronenberg (laughs) because like um it (laughs) reminded me a lot of what crimes of the future this is what you do with willem dafoe yeah this is what crimes of the future was wanting to be and failed drastically at the world building in this thing is next level good the Fucking production design and cinematography blend so beautifully together. The screenplay is just fantastic. Emma Stone kills it. I was not prepared for how funny this film was. And oh, this, this is, is the funniest film of the year. Not probably. only is this Stone's best performance, this is Ruffalo's best performance. He almost oh, stole completely. the show. He yeah. was absolutely... And it's easy to forget Hilarious. he's done some great work. Like, you know, he's been caught up with the MCU for so long now. It's easy to forget he was in fucking Eternal it's Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yep, um, that um, there's a there's a um, one of uh, God, what's his name? Is it John Carney? Who, who's the Sing Street dude? John, I don't know. I John haven't Carney? seen Sing Street. Oh fuck! There's so many holes in your bloody filmography. It's a shameful <laughs> thing. Um, um, everyone talks about Sing Street. Everyone talks about um, uh, fucking whatever it's called. The one with the, about the busker. But there's a, a film in the middle with Ruffalo and Kira Knightley. Yeah, called, right. I, th- I think it's called uh, Begin Again or something 
along those lines. Yeah. Um, so he did once, which was the one about the busker. Then he did this, yeah, this little one. And no one talks about it. And it's the fucking most beautiful film. Yeah, right. Um, and Ruffalo is fantastic. But, yeah, you're right. This is now oh. hands down my favorite Ruffalo performance. He killed it. He, he is he so nearly, funny. Uh, it's, it. it's easy to look at any of these performances and go, oh, well, they just about steal the show. Because I feel the same way about Defoe. Defoe is so good in this role. And, again, the production The design, makeup on him as well. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and like when they're sitting eating dinner and he's got all the test tubes and blows out the big bubble and explains that, you know, his father took away, you know, organs <laughs> so, so he has like to make his own whimsy. gastric yeah. juices. You're right. It's it's whimsy, but it's it's world building and it's- But it's, it's, it's glossed over. It, it's it's yes. not a big thing. Yes. It's just part of the production design, really. That's right. And, yeah. and there's so much, like the fucking weird animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, I think, I think they're mentioned once right at the end where they make some passing comment about um, dog chicken or something. Yeah, but yeah. other than that, they're not even they're not mentioned. They're not even acknowledged by the characters. There's just yeah. these hybrid animals running yeah. around in the background. It's such a surreal film because it's obviously you know it's set in Victorian era, but not our true Victorian era. It's set in this no, weird it's, it's kind weird, of very steampunk, steampunk fairy yeah. tales. Yeah. Live action studio Ghibli. <laughs> Which is such a great setting for this, you know, kind of subversive retelling of Frankenstein. Um, and the way that even the story progresses is, like I said, narrative from a structure perspective, it's quite straightforward. But there's still kind of twists and turns along the way. Like when you find out who Bella actually is and how she came to be. Um, that surprised me. Like I, I okay, all right, yeah. yeah, she's a woman with an infant brain. That makes sense. <laughs> okay, let's get into because this. I mean, she's acting childlike, but I mean, the monster is childlike in Frankenstein. So yeah, you, you don't yeah. for that for that first half or two thirds or whatever it is, you're not going. Oh, why is she acting like a child? Well, you just yeah. assume, oh, well, she's new. She's just being brought back to life. She's like Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. So it does come as a bit of a kind of a mic drop moment when you find out no no he put a he put a an unborn baby's yeah. brain in her body yeah and which so, kind of makes um <laughs> young fiance guy no well th well that's right and i think still keen to marry her after he founds that out <laughs> yeah and i think thematically that's all part of it it's the same with ruffalo just you know basically using this girl for sex to start with because she you know it it it, it raises a lot of questions around can Bella actually consent? Like, can she, is she actually capable of consenting to these acts? You know, and it's, it's I just, mean, they, they do make a point that she has, her, her mental acuity has developed in, it, at it an, grows you know, at a rapid rate. Yeah. rate and yeah. she's, she's essentially mentally like an 18, 19 year yes. old by the time she meets Ruffalo, I think. And plus, I mean, from everything we see, she's really fucking good at sex. So and and, and tremendously horny, <laughs> which children no, are too. When children are first discovering themselves, <laughs> like that scene oh, at the yes, dinner she's table playing with she, that fruit bowl. Yes, yes, where she's grabbing the fruit <laughs> and showing the um the maid, like you know, Bella can make herself happy whenever Bella wants. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I just think that thematically, oh. this film is digging into so much stuff around. Not only sexual relationships and, and romance, but even um, parenting and, like, you know, the consent of birth. You know, Bella didn't choose to be created. 
you know, Godwin no. cho- made that choice for her, which effectively is the choice that all parents make. We're all bringing someone into the world, whether they've asked to be brought into the world or not. And I think that this movie plays with that in a really interesting manner. Like, I just think it has There's so a, it, many it, interesting it, things to say. The, the, that one decision, and I'm assuming this goes back to the novel that, that it's based on, um, but that one decision to have her have her own infant's brain put into her yeah. makes the entire film so much more thought-provoking from that. Oh, yeah. Um, sexual politics, everything. Um, I can't recall whether um, Chris Abbott's character, the the, the husband, the husband of, yeah. of the orig- Victoria's husband, yes. yeah. um, whether he gets actually told. He does at a certain what, point. He definitely does. So he is still happy. Yes. To continue a married life with his child, with his own child. Yes. That's, oh, fuck. This, this is a Pandora's box of moral oh, quandaries. This 100%. Film. It just, <laughs> the, you, could, you could thematically dive into this film for years, I think. Um, but you're right. You know, like the production design, it calls back to Terry Gilliam, like Brazil, which is another brilliant case of world building through set design where things are just kind of there and they don't need to be explained and that's part of the world building and and this mm. is this is exactly the same like when just the design of the cruise ship and the weird kind of pods that they get on to get to the city of Alexandria and stuff yeah. like it's just because up until that point it's it's sort of hyper real Yes. But you still get the sense, oh, this is in our world. It's just told through like a Terry Gilliam style. Exactly. Um, yeah. You know, larger than life. It's not until I think, I'm not, and I'm not sure if the first thing you see is the cruise ship or if it's one of those kind of um, Studio Ghibli air balloon things yeah. that you see yeah. going. One of those two things you see and you go, wait a minute. All right, this is not our fucking world. This yeah. is this 100%. is some fairy tale world. Yeah, yeah. Although the science kind of, you know, the, the dog chicken and stuff should have kind of <laughs> been a bit of a red flag that I don't th- I don't think science in our world can do that, can it? <laughs> yeah, honestly, I I look I would love to see Emma Stone get an award for this. Is she going to? I don't know. Wow. Is it too much of a genre Surely piece? Is it too gonna, soon? I mean after she's La been nominated so far. I mean, the, a lot of noms have been going around for various smaller festivals, but the the, the big ones have been Yorgos, obviously, and Emma Stone, and um, uh, Robbie Ryan, the cinematographers. The uh, he, he and Emma Stone are getting the most nominations, understandably. Yeah. Um, sure, I mean, she has to be nominated. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I will be astonished if she's not, and Yorgos will be. I think Robbie Ryan will be. I think uh, Holly Bonington will be for production design. I'd love um, to see Ruffalo get would, nominated for supporting actor. I would as well, and and I really, I'd love to see our mate Tony McNamara get up for screenplay. Yeah, same. Because from um, memory, he's written he's, do, the do you remember him? of Yorgos's films. Yes. Well, he did the favorite. That's the only other Yorgos. You don't you don't know what else? I know the name. Yeah, Raging Placid he, Lake. He has not done a lot. Yeah, yeah. writer director of Raging Placid Lake. Yeah. And he's not done a great deal in it. He's done like maybe five films or something. He has oh, done he did a lot of Cruella, stuff, so which I haven't seen. Did he? Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, I have not seen um, Cruella. He's, but he's, he's done a lot of Aussie TV stuff because obviously he's a, yeah. a, a Australian. And yeah. I know he, he he was the creator of The Great, which is 
just a hugely unsung um, and, and actually makes a lot of sense because it's a modern comedic sensibility costume drama about Catherine the Great. So yeah. it, it it's there's a lot of DNA there. Oh no, yeah. there you go. Yeah, he wrote the wrote the favorite as well. Um yeah. But yeah, no, I'd like to see him get up just for uh, that would yeah. long overdue. Oh, because it's a, it's a very <laughs> you know as as we both said, it's a very it's so complex funny. script, and it's so much and that funnier that than comes I was from the screen for. Novel. Yeah, yeah, like your your story will come from the source material, but the things that make you laugh in a cinema that's the screenplay. That's not the novel. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I would. Well, I was just not prepared for it. I, I think every single character, even the tragic ones, have at least one line that just made me laugh out loud hysterically. Um, I, know, I've laughed more in this than anything this year. This is the funniest film of the year by a considerable margin for yeah, me. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it, I mean, we love Yorgos. He's a fan, he's one of the most exciting directors working. Every film he does is interesting and unique and, and original. Yeah. But I think he's taken a step up with this one. He's, it's, it's like he's cranked all of his skill sets up to 11. I think, um, production design, uh, Holly, whatever her name is, Waddington. I mean, she's done a lot of stuff, but I think even she's cranked it up a notch. Yeah. Um, this is not in, I mean, the greater side, but this is not in Tony McNamara's wheelhouse. He's, you know, stepped out of his comfort zone. I think every, and, and cinematographer on it, who I think is Robbie Ryan. Yeah, it is. It's Robbie Ryan. Um, most of his career has been working with the likes of like Stephen Frears and Ken Loach. And yeah. this is not the sort of film he's done before. Yeah. How he's suddenly. Oh. The cinematography is gorgeous. He, he did the favourite, but I don't think he's done uh, other Yorgos stuff. But it, most of his stuff, from what I looked at, it's it's small character stuff. It's like, he, how do you go from Ken Loach to this? Yeah. And I think that's what makes this movie work so well, is that at its heart, it is a character study, essentially. But it is so much bigger than that. Like, this movie feels like an epic. Like, this feels like Homer's Odyssey. Like, we journey with Bella for the, the truth of the matter is you don't even know how long this story takes place over <laughs> like there's no indication oh, it, of it, time it's years it, it's, certainly it's months on that on the boat at lo alone it's months on, yeah. on the boat and then she's months presumably in Paris because she's well established in that bordello <laughs> yeah yeah and it it really has that feel of an epic to it, where even though you certainly oh, yeah. wouldn't describe this as an adventure film, but it it has that feel to it. You know, we journey around the whole world. We like it's just it it feels big. It's it's almost a. I mean, you're you're right when you say epic. It, it kind of feels like a a Greek odyssey yeah. type Yeah, that's story. what it feels like to it, me. Yeah. You're, you're, you're travelling the world, you're going to these weird places and there are little sort of vignette stories that are happening at yeah. these places, like with the, the poor starving people uh, uh, where they stop off on the way to Paris and so on. Um, it, it, it is, it's, it's, a, it's, it's Homeric in scale yeah. as far as an epic journey goes. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, I, I'm very interested to know what, Topher thought as a camera guy, because this is the probably the most exciting cinematography I've seen in anything this year. I can't believe I, I did read they only used four lenses and this was a single camera shoot, which I just blew my mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
so the use he, of lenses and everything is yeah, so interesting. He did he did love this film. However, last night uh, was his first viewing of Saltburn, and mm. he messaged both Sam Hurley and I, um, simply saying, "If Sangren isn't nominated for cinematography for Saltburn, we riot." <laughs> Um, wow. So Saltburn. I mean, we love Saltburn, but did, so, I did, did this to me cinematography wise. So, so wow. I, I asked him though, and Saltburn didn't crack his top five favorite films of the year, whereas this did. But I think cinematography wise, he he edged Saltburn higher. But I tell you what, this is such a gorgeous looking film, and and I think for me, it's it's the way that everything blends together. It's it's not just the cinematography, but the way that that ties into the production design and the visual effects. It's, and, and it's it's not flashy for flashy's sake. Like he's he's got right. these, what you know, wide angle lens to to show the you know the the the, the setting of, of all these wonderful locations. Yeah. But then these zoom lenses so that he can sort of dance through a crowd and find yeah. a character. And there are times um, I must admit, lenses. I, I was just going to say, there are times where I must admit that it, it, even I, as like a film aficionado, I don't understand what he's going for at times. Like when we go to the fisheye lenses, I can't look at that and say, okay, he's, he's doing that to compliment this or for this reason. I'm not saying he doesn't have a reason. He's Yorgos Lanthimos. I'm sure he does. I'm just saying his reasoning is so next level at times that I, I I can't say why he's making certain choices at times. <laughs> like to me, it felt like uh, the fisheye one in particular kind of felt like it was sort of fifty percent leaning into that steampunk, yeah, feel. But I think it it, it also, and I, I want to watch this two or three more times to oh, kind of yeah, you know, really focus in on on things like when the lenses change and and what yeah. the scenes are, but. I came out with the feeling that that the fisheye lens in particular was kind of used to focus in on particular intimate moments. It seemed to be whenever yeah, you fair. had two people talking or something. Yeah. And then obviously the the, the effect of that lens is that everything is about the center of the field yeah, of view. Yeah. There's that um, beautiful, absolutely bizarre shot where it's using a fisheye lens without the vignette on it. Most of the time you see the fisheye, it's got that very harsh, strong vignette. There's this one shot yep. where it's the fisheye without a vignette and they're walking along this kind of curvy street and the camera is moving with them and it is so yep. disorienting. Um, yep. But it's just such a beautiful fucking shot because you just do not see that in film. Like, you just don't. And no. it looks so oh, bizarre. <laughs> everything about the look of this film was just next every single scene yeah. there was so many things to pick apart i, I adore the interstitial title cards as well where it's just these surreal shots of bella doing things that don't really have anything to do with oh, the film at large stunning. but they just they're just gorgeous that was the other thing that fisheye that you've reminded me the combination of those interstitials and the fisheye lens kind of almost gave me the feel that this was all taking place within a snow globe I I totally understand what you're saying. That yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it it, it had this weird, uh, and it took me back to, and this is a weird out of left field thing that probably only makes sense to two people. But um, there's a Italian horror film which I think I've spoken about before called Del Moro Del Morte or Cemetery Man with Rupert yeah. Everett. Um, and there's a spoilers for that film if you haven't seen it. <laughs> Turn off, but the closing scene of that, for no reason at all, the camera is like 
zooms right back out and the characters are inside a snow globe. I love that. That's awesome. I could for totally, no reason, yeah. and that, and that's kind of your end, and, yeah. and it's straight. That that's kind of what it brought back to me because you have every you kind of had this circular feel from the fisheye, yeah, and yeah, that's just the surreal nature of it all. Yeah. Oh yeah. god, I fucking love this movie. Loved, I loved the Emma the... Emma Stone. I I can't think of another performance off the top of my head. Yeah. That I would want, even in the running for best actress, I think. She is next level in this. Yeah, I, I can't think of anyone else from this year off the top of my head. Like, I'd have to look through my list, uh, but oh, every performance in this is so good. I adored the score as well by Yerskin Fendricks. Parts of it, mm. I, I mean, it all complements the film so well. There are parts that are really kind of grating and irritating, and obviously that's the point. And then there, there's those big swelling kind of orchestral pieces like towards the end of the film that are so emotive. It's just gorgeous. It just complements the film That's so stunning. well. Yeah. yeah, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Dissecting all the stuff we're talking about, etc. And, and obviously that's all important. But I think um, this film was captured perfectly. <laughs> I'll give full credit to Cineview for this one-line review. This is Barbie on Absinthe. <laughs> it is it is it's 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 female empowerment it. it's, full yep. stop that is it. <laughs> turn of the century turn of last century paris absinthe <laughs> but, the, but the story of barbie discovering herself <laughs> um before we move on from cinematography and the look of the film can i just ask you what your thoughts were on the the split between uh black and white and um color cinematography oh yeah yeah we haven't touched on because that. it's funny when i first watched it i was like i thought that i understood what the black and white signified but rethinking about it i don't think i did do, do you understand <laughs> why because it, we don't really cut back and forth it's almost like it's just black and white for the first half hour or so until she leaves with ruffalo and then from memory we're pretty much it's- Straight color. It's from another there. thing that I need. I, I need to see it again. I definitely her. need a rewatch because by the time I thought I, by the time I thought I knew, I went, oh, okay, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So much of the film had gone past that I need to go back and check yeah. whether I was actually right with that. I thought that the black and white was when she was still sort of in her metaphorical Infant prison like of stage. not seeing the outside world. Yeah, okay. Yeah, intellectually, but also also geographically, she's she's Locked not allowed to leave house. that house. Yeah, okay. Um, and then obviously when, as soon as she steps out into the real it's world, like suddenly, you know, childlike, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But there is a point to very late in the film when, um, Defoe and, uh, I can't remember the actor's name, but, um, McCandles. Yeah. Um, Rousseff. Yeah. They, yeah, they, they start being in color as well. Yes. And I'm not sure if that's. To do it. so, maybe it, that is when um, Bella 2.0, whatever her name is, yeah, um, maybe when she starts to kind of intellectually awaken, the, yeah, right, yeah, get color there. I'm yeah. not sure, I, I need to see it again, but that was because I, I, I like your of. thoughts, but then I'm like, if that's the case, wouldn't it go back to black and white later on when she's back at the husband's house and she's kind of trapped again? But yeah, I know because I think she's intellectually awakened, she's no yeah. longer. Because she is at she's more no willing point to be in control of her own. She's life. not the victim when she's at, at um, Chris Abbott's place, yeah. at all. Um, 
she's well and truly off the leash and yeah. living her best awoke, uh, <laughs> awakened, feminine, yeah. empowered self. Yeah, yeah. The worst thing about being but in this, Australia yeah, is that we always we always get these brilliant films so late in the year <clears> that they always end up being the episode like before we do our top five of the year list. And it's like, well, we've just <laughs> spoken about that, so no point talking about it again. But certainly for me, this is going <laughs> to probably top my year. Uh, it sounds like it is for you as well. Um, we will uh, have look, our I, I haven't gone back through, but I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that is – Sort of even in contention, really, and yeah. obviously we've we've had some very strong films even in the yeah. last month. Definitely, yeah. None of them, none of them touch this. We will this, have our great mate really Sean Carney film. from uh, Scaredy Boys and lots of other shows on the Sands Pants Network. He's going to join us for that episode. So hopefully, he'll maybe have a different number one so that we have something different. But knowing Carney, maybe I it'll reckon, be extra believer. Like this as well. <laughs> oh no! Oh god, no! <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a ten out of ten, and I can't wait to yep. see this film again. Uh, it's you know. Even though the runtime is a, a little bit longer, we're two hours 20. I, I, I didn't, didn't feel, feel it. it. I, I was upset when this ended. I wanted more. Yeah. Uh, I'm a nine and a half, but only because I kind of forced myself never to give 100% yeah. on first viewing, but it's going to be. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just holding off until I watch it again. But um, I, yeah, absolutely fucking adored this. I think, it, I think it's a really special film. Yeah, definitely. And everyone should go and see it. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, I don't know if we're doing our, our best of the year next week or the week after. I've got to touch base because Carney's overseas at the moment, lucky lucky duck. Uh, but if not, there's plenty of new releases out. Are, are you keen on uh, Ferrari? I am. Um, we should probably at least acknowledge the fact there's a new Aquaman movie, although the kids oh. don't want to see it, so it'll probably wait for streaming. Oh, I'm not going to um, bother seeing Aquaman. <laughs> I'm hoping to get to the movies a couple of times over the next weeks, but uh, I'm mostly keen on uh, Night Swim, and uh, I guess I'll check Ferrari out. But I've been very lucky to get to the movies quite a few times. I saw the new rom-com uh, with Sydney Sweeney, Anyone But You, and that was... Yeah, that was- <laughs> you saw. <laughs> you and your Sydney Sweeney crush. Oh, look, I, I'm, I want to see it because I like uh, my namesake, but I'm not expecting much from it. <laughs> um, he's apparent. I think he's quite good in everything. So, yeah. and, and you know, she's got a really impressive rack. So, um, <laughs> I'll get to it. <laughs> um, I kind of want to see the beekeeper just because it looks like dumb action fun. Oh yeah, that's a dad movie for um, sure. That's yeah. Um, Statham being ridiculous and kicking yeah. ass, and yeah. um, just trying to think. There was something. If you else haven't seen it up. yet. Get to Godzilla minus one. I've seen it twice. Um, I I do want to see that. I I haven't been able to find it anywhere close, so I'm kind of just eyeing off your Plex library. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Next week will either be a movie or our top five. I'll touch base with Carney and we'll figure that out. But uh, in the meantime, go watch Poor Things because it's absolutely incredible. Watch it twice. And look, it's not for everyone. There's going to be a lot of people who watch this and don't like it. And that's that's fine. If you don't like it, that's cool. It's not for everyone, but I adored this film. Yeah, do it and do yourself a give it a go. Yeah. Um and and don't sort of wait for streaming because it's fucking stunning. It's you know, 
you don't yeah. have to go to gold class like I did and, and have <laughs> fish tacos. Um, but it's it's worth seeing on a, on, on a decent sized screen because it, it, it is gorgeous. All right. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that at wewatchedathing.com or wewatchedathing at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and X, all under the handle at wewatchedathing. If you want to help support the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash wewatchedathing. You can get early access to episodes. You can hear our uh, hunt for the perfect album series a good six months before it drops on the main feed here. Uh, we've got some fun plans for this new year as well. In fact, mm. we're going to be recording Good something. stuff happening this year. Hopefully next week we're going to have a, a fun guest on. Uh, and yeah. that's it. Thanks for joining us and we'll catch you next week. Go do some furious jumping with Bella. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>